I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. in a fifth generational conflict. A commentator, international social media sensation, and former Navy intelligence veteran. This is Human Events with your host, Jack Posobiec. Deliver us from evil. For the West and for civilization is Hamas. If Hamas emerges victorious, we will all lose. Europe will be endangered. Today here at home, hundreds of people filled the streets of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, calling for an end to the attacks on civilians in Gaza. Level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. Uh, and certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslim Arab Arab Americans and Palestinian American loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. Republican members of Congress plan to nominate a new candidate for Speaker of the House today, three weeks after deposing former Speaker Kevin McCarthy. All the candidates gave their pitch to their colleagues last night with a key figure in the background, former President Donald Trump. To every American who's terrified that Crooked Joe's weakness will cause catastrophic Global conflict. Excuse me, it already is. I make this promise to you as president. I will restore peace through strength and we will prevent, we will stop World War III. Owen Schroyer here, and I am about to turn myself in to be a speech prisoner in Biden's America. As an attorney who is also a Christian, I take my responsibilities as a lawyer very seriously. And I endeavor to be a person of sound moral and ethical character in all of my dealings. In the wake of the 2020 presidential election, I believed that challenging the results on behalf of President Trump should be pursued in a just and legal way. I endeavored to represent my client to the best of my ability. I relied on others, including lawyers with many more years of experience than I, to provide me with true and reliable information, especially since my role involved speaking to the media and to legislators in various states. What I did not do, but should have done, Your Honor, was to make sure that the facts the other lawyers alleged to be true were in fact true. In the frenetic pace of attempting to raise challenges to the election in several states, including Georgia, I failed to do my due diligence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. Today's edition of Human Events Daily with Jack Posobiec. We are live from Washington, D.C. Today is October 24th, 2023, Anno Domini. Struggle sessions, show trials, American gulags. Today, Owen Schroyer is on his way to federal prison. He's been ordered to arrive there. J. Owen Schroyer, inmate number 05937. J. Owen Schroyer, inmate number 
nine, three, seven. You see, Owen's not just going to jail for himself. He's going to jail for all of us. Whether you believe in free speech or you think it's just a punchline, that's what this day is about to come for all of us. So the question is, what's going to happen? How are you going to act when you get the knock at the door? Or your family? Or your kids? Are you going to show the same courage that Owen did? Or are you going to roll on your friends, your family, your neighbors? See, Owen could have taken the easy way out. Owen could have made up a story, named names, and guess what? He'd be spending Thanksgiving at home, be with his friends, be with his family, but he's not. And why is he going behind bars? For what? For talking? For standing up for the truth? For doing his job as an American and a journalist? For exercising his right to freedom of speech? No. See, they want to be in your head. They want you to be questioning every click on your mouse pad, every like on X. They won't be satisfied until the silent majority is silenced forever. And that is why the do the work that we do. That's why we stand for patriots like Owen. That's why we stand for people like Trump who's been arrested four times already. The one man standing up for peace, standing up for freedom. Guess what? It's not a catchphrase. I told you it was going to get worse. We're seeing the struggle sessions. Doug Mackey, Jenna Ellis, we're seeing all of this. We're in the middle of perhaps the greatest tribulation our republic has ever seen. And the only way out, ladies and gentlemen, the only way out is through. James Lindsay joins us for the rest of the show. We are going to go through this because we are facing internal regime crackdowns and external sleepwalking into World War III. James Lindsay joins us next, Human Events Daily. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the best ways that you can support us here at Human Events and the work that we do is subscribing to us on our Rumble channel. Make sure you're subscribed, you hit the notifications so you'll never miss a clip, you'll never miss a new live episode, and we're putting them out every single day of the week. Grew up in the hood, I rolled with bloods, and then boys had a saying. You can't be listening to all that slappy whack, trim out his outlets, a bam ship, nippy bam bam, like human events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec back here live, Human Events Daily, Washington, D.C. Got a question for you guys. Have you ever talked with a friend and then a couple of minutes later, you got ads related to that same exact conversation popping up on your phone? Do you ever feel like Big Brother is watching you or worse, like every move you make is being tracked. Unfortunately, in our digital age, that's not paranoia. Between criminals, government, and corporate America, it feels like personal freedom and privacy is compromised 24-7. That is where Silent steps in. Silent is not just a brand. It is a statement for liberty and against surveillance. Silent's patented signal-blocking Faraday cages are suitable for every device from smartphones to laptops. All you do is you place your device inside and you instantly block out all wireless signals from ensuring you are safeguarded from digital eavesdropping and unwanted tracking. 
Reclaim your privacy today at slnt.com slash poso. You'll save 15% plus free shipping on qualifying orders. Look, I have to protect my privacy at all times. And you know what? So should you. Act now, patriots. Go to slnt.com slash poso to save 15% plus free shipping on qualifying orders. That's slnt.com slash poso. Look, and by the way, the, Silent hasn't just sent me their Faraday sleeve. They've got entire pockets. They've got, uh, you know, for, for Tanya, they've got like a pocketbook, um, you know, purse kind of thing. They sent us a backpack that producer Russ is loving. You guys check them out. You're really going to like it. SLNT.com slash POSO. I want to bring in now our next guest, Dr. James Lindsay of New Discourses. Uh, he is he's a literal scum human, as you can see on his ex uh, account. He's pro-America, claims to be anti-communist. Now, now Dr. Lindsay, I, I just have to ask you, you know, where I titled this show Struggle Sessions, Gulags, and Show Trials in America. My question for you is, why is it that nobody predicted this, that no one in America saw that we were heading down this road, that nobody really connected all the dots and put it together? Why were we so blindsided by this occurring here on American soil? Well, it's basically because as good and decent and responsible people, we've all shied away very carefully from anything that would be called a conspiracy theory. So we don't share conspiracy theories. If you do, the SPLC calls you out, puts you on a list. And so we're all very careful. We're all very responsible. We're all very dignified. And we only say very careful and responsible things. For example, that we would never suggest that there's cultural Marxism in the United States. That's a conspiracy theory. We would never suggest that there's a Maoist cultural revolution happening in the United States. That's a conspiracy theory. We would never even mention the words Agenda 2030 because that's literally a conspiracy theory that's all over their website. It's because we're responsible, Jack, that nobody could see this coming because nobody talked about it except for people who would traffic in conspiracy theories that nobody should ever associate with because that would result in you being a conspiracy theorist too. That's right. So these these conspiracy theories, they're, they're, they're not just bad thoughts. They're actually wrong thoughts. And wrong thought must be stamped out. And in fact, that's why it's, it's, it's you know, Owen Troyer, Owen Troyer is not going to jail for speech. He's going to, sh to jail for wrong thought. And of course, this, this is right and good because that is why Owen Troyer, inmate number 05937, Owen Troyer, inmate number 05937, uh, of course, not only it, does he, um, yeah, should he be behind bars, but the, you know, the really only problem here is that Owen's not going to jail for much longer, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Because when, when Mao Zedong, for example, was running China in the 1950s and he had his prisons before the Cultural Revolution, but even going into the Cultural Revolution, they labeled people like Owen a bad element. That was the name for them, bad elements. And they were classified under the black class of, of enemies of the people. And enemies of the people need to be locked up. They need to be put away. They need to be thought reformed. They need to be put through a struggle session so that they learn to confess to the crimes that they committed against the people so that they can see from the people's standpoint. And after they see from the people's standpoint and confess to their crimes in true sincerity and have been fully thought reformed, then they can re-enter society as part of the people that fights for the socialist discipline and socialist revolution that's at hand, because that's exactly how these societies work. Now, l l let me let me explain this for, for the folks at home. Why is it so important that these enemies of the people, or as you know, Mao called them enemies of the people, we call them enemies of democracy. It's the same exact thing. Of course, we're fighting the same fight. Why is it so important that they recant their wrong thought? Why is it so important that they that they embrace truth? Why is it so important that they love Big Brother in the end? 
Well, the thing is, Jack, um, honestly, it's not actually that important that they recant the wrong thought or embrace uh, new truth. What's important is that they do it publicly. It's important that they show mm. everybody that they caved in and gave in and wanted to do better. It, it's really about the demonstration to the people themselves, to encourage the people, to, to moralize the people, to get them to understand that the stakes of the situation are very serious. So it's really more about the public uh, recanting than it is about recanting or, or repenting or anything of that sort. It's all about making sure that the public knows that the state has the power to make sure that people will stand in front of them and confess fully to crimes that were completely made up uh, on arbitrary terms so that, uh, you know, the, the glory of the state can continue. Well, that's right. And even during, and obviously you're mentioning the 50s, but even during the 1960s in the Chinese Cultural Revolution, when it was rampant with these struggle sessions conducted largely by the Red Guard youth at the time, this is when Mao decided to throw away even the party cadres and the courts and just went straight to uh, essentially youth to allow this to go through um, in an extremely fervent uh, extremism and brutalism that came out in these sessions, where in, in some cases they wouldn't even have to actually personally say something because they came up with a new system because sometimes you know there's just the practicalities of getting someone you need microphones then plus if you've beaten them around the head face and neck too much it's hard for them to get the voice out so what they they, they found a better way to do it and all they did remember logistics over strategy logistics over strategy uh they put a big sign around their neck reading essentially uh anti anti-revolutionary extremist, counter-revolutionary extremist. In some cases, this is my favorite one, literal term right-wing extremist. They just painted it on a giant sign and made it hang around your neck before, you know, sometimes they'll let you go home, other times they send you to the gulag every once in a while. And these are really special occasions. You got summarily executed with one bullet in the back of the head, and then your family was sent a bill for the bullet. They call it the bullet tax. Yeah, um, the most famous, or maybe it's not the most famous to most people, of these episodes happened to the guy named Liu Xiaoqi, who was given uh, the, the the chairman's seat Poor of the CCP when Mao had to step down. Yeah, Liu Xiaoqi, after um, Mao stepped down for the Great Leap Forward and, you know, 100 million people dying and destruction of China's economy, so they made him step down. Well, he wasn't really going to have that. He unleashed the Red Guard. And so in the Red Guard in 1967, about a year and a half into their to their, their escapades, round up Liu Xiaoqi, the, the president of the CCP, drag him out, put the whole show on for the public, for them to see, waving the red books, denouncing him, shaming him, hanging the thing off of him. And, you know, he says, am I not a citizen? Can I not speak? And they say, no, you're an enemy of the people. And they shame him and they humiliate him. They send him off to the countryside to die in misery. And Mao ascends back to power. And then the punchline of the whole story is just glorious. Like a month and a half or so, two months later, Mao decides that the Red Guard has become too radical and too left and has to be put down by the People's Liberation Army. So that they can move on to the next phase of building socialism, which is it doesn't have any use for a destabilizing youth movement. It has it has a different set of purposes at that point. Well, it's a good thing we don't have any destabilizing youth movements in this country, though, right, James? Yeah, we don't have a rainbow guard. We don't have a green guard that's being encouraged by Barack Obama and Joe Biden and or any of these things. We don't have any of that happening. We don't see them somehow. Like, off, for example, all of on sudden dropping all of their other. Yeah, they've all dropped all their other causes to back the Palestinian Liberation Organization. It's it's very odd how, you know, we don't have those here, but sometimes it feels like we might have those here. 
Yeah, it feels like there might be some, I don't know, revolutionary youth movement backing a proto-communist Islamo-terrorist group overseas because they're essentially uh, extrapolating that form of, of oppressor versus oppressive situation overseas, again, through their lens, and then applying it here to the United States and really Western countries in general. Uh, declaring us to be the perpetuators of apartheid, and then, of course, taking the uh, philosophical notes of, of certain, I don't know, shall we say, Caribbean-type uh, philosophers and saying that any violence that's done in the name of uh, and decolonization, basically, is therefore justified. We, there's nothing like that would ever happen in the U.S., though, right? No, it's like as I watch on the screen this footage of a San Francisco high school and I think about the big gigantic side of a building in San Francisco painted with a very ugly image of Greta Thunberg. I can't imagine something like that being anything like what we're seeing here in the U.S. Now, of course, Greta Thunberg just got in trouble yet again on the social medias, on the Twitter for putting out some stuff in favor of Palestine, including some anti-Semitic uh, dog whistles or something like this. And then she deleted it all. And it's all this big, very anti-Semitic stuff down She she. She had, she had a very anti-Semitic stuffed animal perched on her shoulder, apparently. Yeah, that was, it was, it's, it's just a plushie. It's okay. Um, no, nothing <laughs> like this could possibly happen in this society. Nothing I, it, That would be a conspiracy theory. Only a bad element or a right-wing extremist would share something like that. You know, you'd end up on an SPLC watch list, like I said. You'll end up getting called domestic terrorists by the FBI. Um all kinds of crazy things will happen to you. And obviously the state is always right and the state is always good. So, um, you know, like they said in, in China, man, woman, boy, girl, we're all the same. We have the exact same things not happening here under any circumstances because, man, do I ever love Big Brother. Yes, and of course, as then, and of course, the SPLC union coming out with a full-throated support of Hamas. We celebrate that. We congratulate the SPLC union for being such fervent supporters of Hamas and their cause. Uh, we're going up on a quick break here. We're, t we're speaking with Dr. James Lindsay. He's breaking down for us all the things that are not happening in the United States. Thank goodness they're not here. Thank goodness these things are not sweeping across the West, uh, inculcated through the radicalization centers of the university system, which, by the way, are given a free flow of funding from for the enemies of the Republic. And I would just like to say, of course, to anyone else who might be watching, I love Chairman Mao. I love Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square is the birthplace of the sun itself. God bless our great helmsman. You know, they talk about influencers. These are influencers, and uh, they're friends of mine. Jack Soback. Where's Jack? Jack. He's done a great job. All right, Dr. Sobek back here live, Human Events Daily. Dr. James Lindsay joining us. I want to tell you a quick message from today's episode sponsor, The Wellness Company. Folks, the world is quickly descending into chaos. I think we understand that at this point. And you know what's right around the next corner? The next medical crisis. Now, whether it's another pandemic or something even closer to home, preparedness, it's no longer an option. It is a necessity. That's where The Wellness Company comes in. And they're sponsoring today's episode of Human Events Daily. 
From something innocent like a tick bite or a mosquito to COVID to the next bioweapon manufactured in a lab, I don't know, maybe in some third world country, the Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit is what you need to be prepared. It contains life-saving medications like ivermectin, emergency antibiotics, a Z-Pack, and so much more. Plus, it gives you a guidebook to aid in the safe use of life-saving medications. You can have some of the peace of mind knowing that you're ready for whatever the globalists throw at us next. To order, just go to twc.health/poso. That's twc.health/poso and enter promo code poso for 10% off. The wellness company and their licensed doctors are medical professionals. You can trust them and your their medical emergency kits are the gold standard to keeping you and your family safe. Again, that's twchealth.com twc.health/poso promo code poso for 10% off. We're going to put the links in the description for this and all of our episodes. Uh, Dr. James Lindsay joining us and and man, I wish we could do the sarcasm bit for the entire show, but unfortunately no. We are living through these times. These things are happening on our shores, but so you and I were chatting offline about this and we we have a long piece up at humanevents.com really talking about how this this Hamas situation has really broken up a lot of the coalition of intersectionality. And a lot of people are pointing out to the fact that this is a huge issue for wokeness. Then you have BLM coming out in uh, full-throated support of Hamas, Coca-Cola dropping them uh, quietly from their website. Is something going on? Is this actually going to break the back of wokeness? Where do you see this going? So there have been kind of, if we might use the the slang phrasing, red pill hurricanes. There have been two moments in, in the past several years where we really got to look behind the curtain. And one of those was when COVID-19 had swept the world and all of a sudden everything in the universe had to be shut down. There was even a protest at the Michigan State House and they got shut down because of COVID and they were trying to protest for their rights. And that's not you know allowed. And then all of a sudden George Floyd died and COVID went on pause. They were, you know, rioting, looting, burning cities, huge, huge protests, even for the 93 percent that were peaceful, huge gatherings, which were suddenly allowed in the name of racial justice. And people started to realize something must be going on. That was the first really big look behind the curtain. There are other things from COVID as well. Parents seeing through the, the window of Zoom into their children's classrooms for the first time. But the second really big one is this. This is the really big one where we're seeing leftist organization after leftist organization revealing one of their oldest maxims that the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. And so they have banded together in solidarity. Black Lives Matter has revealed itself to be the communist styled liberation project that it always was. And a lot of people are shocked to find this out. People are discovering that our universities have, in fact, been domestic terror training cells under the auspices of woke inclusion for a large number of years. And I'm hearing, you know, cataclysmic tectonic shifts in people's attitudes toward what woke is and was, what it represents and what needs to be done about it. So this might be a very powerful defining moment in, in the history of the trajectory of the Western world. Well, and, and we really have to point it out too, because this is something that has actually already, and of course, Charlie Kirk has talked about it a ton, it, this has affected the money. Um, so there's a lot of donors to these uh, alumni and others that go to these universities and have come out and said, whoa, wait a minute, that's what I've been funding this whole time, which of course, you know, people like you and me are saying, they're going, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it is what you've been funding this entire time. 
But for and you know we can go into the myriad reasons why they weren't open to seeing it. But the real the real salient point is they do see it now. And and Chris Rufo and I, by the way, were were chatting about this yesterday, just sort of tweeting back and forth or. I don't know, Xing back and forth, um, which probably sounds weird. I'm not going to say that again. Um, that <laughs> that um, uh, Chris and I do that in the evenings. It's 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 our private time. Um, that uh, these these people don't necessarily look at this as this this long extrapolated history and the intertwined issues of of the Palestinians and Israel, et cetera, et cetera. No, a, a lot of these theorists just look at this as sort of the the white looking people versus the brown looking people and then they come up with all the justifications and rationalizations after the fact once they've made that distinction clearly this group must be oppressing this other group they don't really explain why very much they just sort of take their preset narrative and they graft it onto any situation that's going on in the world so that's really where you get a lot of this and it turns out james it turns out that the very same thing that they've been preaching every single day here in the united states is also what they support overseas wow you know who would have yeah, well, these roots are very deep. The ties are very deep. A lot of the strategies that are used by the woke were developed in Palestine and vice versa. Uh, the philosophical roots of woke actually are very similar to the philosophical roots of the Arab world that we see erupting right now. Uh, we're talking characters like Jean-Paul Sartre. We're talking even you know, Nazi ideology getting imported. Simone de Beauvoir, believe it or not, was popular in the Arab world in the 50s and 60s. Uh, these same left leftist influences that transformed the West into woke, transformed the Arab world into this kind of rabid Islamic nationalism that we're seeing driven by entities like Hamas. And so when you see a state like Israel that now poses uh, to bring in some strong ties to Western civilization, and Western values into the region, it becomes this whole narrative of oppression and settler colonialism that has to be taken under uh, under advisement of, of radicals that have informed Leftist thought in the universities for uh, here in the West for for decades. People like Franz Fanon, who did, who coined the idea of decolonization, said in the first sentence of his book *The Wretched of the Earth* that it's always a violent phenomenon, no matter how you want to frame it or phrase it. Uh, and people like Edward Said, who've been writing, a, who who was a Palestinian himself, who was writing about the concept of decolonization, taking up a lot of the French postmodernism and the neo-Marxist line in order to explain the concept of of colonialism, and so. Suddenly, we're seeing that we've been incubating this for 50 years, 60 years in our universities. It's erupting out around this particular conflict, and people are rightly shocked by what they're seeing. But it's about time for them to spend a little time reading some of these sources themselves and realizing that this is, in fact, what we've been funding and nourishing and nurturing and teaching to our children now, which explains these crazy graphs that 75 percent of young people, uh, 18 to 24, think that, that what, what Hamas did was justified because of the settler, settler colonialism that they've been led to believe in through a woke post-colonial lens. Right, and, that, and that's exactly the point I'm getting at, where essentially it becomes this, oh, it's decolonization, it's post-colonial, et cetera, et cetera, which, and you're right that these roots do run very deep, but what's, what's amazing is that it you know, it. why is it, I'll put it this way, why, why did they never think that these youth groups that have been building up, that these movements that have been, uh, that have been inculcated this, and, and I'm just going to say it, they're hate, they're hate movements. They really are in many of these cases. Again, this is collective punishment. This is the idea of, which is completely, 
you know, it goes, and I see, I see there's a lot of people, sometimes even on the right, who say this. They say, oh, what's the Christian thing to do? What's the Christian thing to do? I said, well, the Christian thing would be individual morality. And individual morality means holding someone accountable for their own personal sins. That's Christian morality. It's not collective morality. It's not collective punishment. It's not collective justice. Any of these things. Those are inherently Marxist forms of Morality is why we call it cultural Marxism in many of these cases, because they're applying it in these ways. It used to be about class, now it's about culture, etc. People get it. But why do you think that they never thought that it would be applied essentially to them? There's a couple of reasons, uh, one of which is that the prevailing attitude has been, well, these are just young people and the young people, you know, they'll get out in the real world and the real world will start to straighten them out, which we've been slowly disabused about for the last 15 years and especially the last five years. The young people are coming out of these especially elite institutions and remaking the world around them to suit their uh, suit what they've been brainwashed into believing. But the other reason is exactly what we were talking about when we were doing our little sarcasm bit in the previous segment, which is simply enough that right winger is one or conservative is one of the categories that has been demonized so that vaguely center left and progressive minded people associate that with being bad, stupid um, and, and probably crazy for a number of decades. The Daily Show took our entire generation and convinced convinced it that there was something shameful about a identifying conservative values whatsoever to have even one was shameful and so here these kids are maybe they're getting they're young they're maybe they're getting carried away but the fact is you know they're just saying kind of extreme young person versions of the same attitudes that you know we don't want to be associated with right-wing stuff and so the stuff that they were saying which is exactly as you described fit with a broader narrative of at least they're not conservative, which is intrinsically bad. And that's that is the first and, and thus last spell that has to be broken in order for us to break free of this very scary moment that we've come to. That normal everyday people who've been propagandized to believe that right winger is an enemy of the people by definition have to realize that that's actually not true. It's just a political disposition and a set of views uh, that there is well within the range of, of normal and acceptable thought and discourse. Uh, all across the board. They've adopted Maoism without realizing they've adopted Maoism. That's exactly right. And and we've described it so many times that what they've done is essentially profited off of this in many cases. They've created, and not just profited, created an entire industry, an entire field that didn't exist prior to, really prior to, as you, you mentioned, the, uh, the Obama administration. But this was like one guy in an office somewhere on like the back of campus, you know, in the 90s or the 80s. And now it's like these whole fields. We've got DEI uh, mavens at every corporation. And by the way, I've even seen some of these accounts saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe um, they're applying this to Jewish people. But by the way, oh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop supporting DEI. So even people that are facing the brunt of it are just trying to correct it so that it doesn't come after them. And it's like, no, no, you, you, you can't just redirect the alligator. Just feed him something else. Feed him something else. No, no, you have to get rid of it. You have to get rid of the predator completely. You're just going to be the one that eats last. Don't come for me. Come for those guys, right? This is what yeah. is always going to happen when you go in with any of these situations. Coming back on another graph. I want to get back in here. I see another break. But when we get back in, I want to talk about what this does mean on the world stage. We're talking to Dr. James Lindsay. He's being very generous with our time here, Human Events Daily. About the boring people at your office. I'm trying to listen to the new human events with Jack Pozobic. 
All right, Jack, so back here live, Human Defense Daily. We're speaking with Dr. James Lindsay. Uh, this is a huge situation, but, but Dr. Lindsay James, we're having this conversation uh, about wokeness, how this could really lead to a huge fissure, major potential, not, I wouldn't say rightward term, but I would say pull, pulling back away from the abyss of the left, away from this, the, the, you know, the politics of envy, this insanity that we've been going through for all these years, uh, you know, Coca-Cola deleting BLM. Right. The idea that three years ago, that if you didn't remember the black square and everything else, if you didn't comply, if you didn't march, if you didn't put up the fist. Now, suddenly people are looking at the people are even looking at the George Floyd case again. People are actually reading the autopsy that's been available the entire time. People are saying, you know, there was no damage to the neck. And in fact, they they forced the medical examiner to change his testimony so that they could charge everybody. Again, all of these facts were out there, but but something has broken to the point where people are actually, you know, just sort of that emotional spell has has broken and people are finally looking at it for the first time. But at the same time that that's happening, we are also facing another problem, and that's on the world stage. And a lot of these same forces, by the way, are also being inflamed to get people, and I'm very concerned about this, as I know you are, to to essentially support calls for a civilizational uh, battle, a civilizational conflict, wage ho- these holy wars, getting involved in things all across the world. And it, it kind of feels like, kind of feels like it's 2003 again around here sometimes when I see some of these people on TV saying we must go to holy war, we must wage war on Iran and Russia and China all at the same time. And I'm like, whoa, wait, hold on a second, guys. Like, I thought we were the anti-war side. And now Elon Musk did this huge uh, Twitter space, X space yesterday, really just coming out and saying we should we should find peace deals. We should find peace deals with uh, with Russia, with the Ukraine situation, we should try to find a way to deal with them. Look, we're all we're all in this world together. We have to live here, and it's not about supporting anyone or endorsing anything. It is about the future of humanity. I know you feel very strongly about that. What what should people be worried about when we're in moments like this, and what should we be uh, looking for? Well, I mean, in a moment like this, always you have to worry about about propaganda and getting sucked up into emotional uh, pleas and arguments for things that, you know, would be very cathartic or very satisfying. But we also have to be able to take a step back. We have to realize that anywhere there's a war, anytime there's a war, anytime there's turned into an active measure for various purposes on social media in particular, that there is a huge amount of propaganda that we have to always step back. Anytime you feel yourself getting emotionally motivated, you've got to take a break. You've got to think through what are the broader consequences because the game is to get people – the game of propaganda is to get people emotionally involved so they support things they would never support otherwise. It's literally the purpose of propaganda if it's not to make you want to quit, one of the two. And so you've you've really got to take some some space there because, you know, the the space you mentioned with Elon was called sleepwalking toward World War III if I'm I'm not mistaken. And we're not sleepwalking toward World War III any more than Jeffrey Epstein sleepwalked toward – noose in his cell or whatever uh we are somebody with a gun to our back is walking us toward there and saying look everybody he's asleep he's sleepwalking we're being pushed toward this by forces that would benefit from the war not just financial forces we know now looking back speaking of conspiracy theories that world wars one and two were both very profitable for certain entities that funded uh, aspects of both sides of them this isn't going to be different in this situation so 
I agree with Elon and I think he did us a real solid, but we, we shouldn't mischaracterize. There are forces that want to drive us toward these wars that do not benefit the citizens of any nation. They benefit uh, certain large political and corporate players that are working in tandem to try to bring them about. Uh, so we, we've got to be cautious. We've got to be skeptical. We've got to be hesitant and we've got to be as discerning and judicious as we can with the decisions that we make. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think that's that's also sober, right? And I get it, by the way. I, I get that these images that we're seeing come out, it, it, it's a terrorist attack, okay? It was an actual terrorist attack that took place. It's disgusting. Um, zero sum 24, by the way, if people want to go follow that, you know, Twitter account and Telegram account, you, you can, um, it's private. The Telegram account is paid. Go, he's got all the Hamas videos. You guys want to go see that stuff? It's real. It's 100% real. And oh, by the way, the bombings in Gaza are real too. And they are hitting actual Christians. Now, I don't necessarily think that the, the Israelis are targeting, you know, civilians, that kind of thing. But at the same time, it is happening. And it's ridiculous for people to attack you or attack anybody who calls this out simply for reporting what's actually good. Justin Amash lost members of his family, okay? Right, that's real. That's a real thing. That's members of his family that are never going to be coming back. Uh, there was a Christian church that was damaged in one of these bombings. It's okay to talk about these situations because they are real. The real question is, and then again, and I had Scott Horton on here last week and we we're talking about this because, James, these images and these types of tactics unfortunately have the have the tendency to create something called blowback don't they or blowback wars oh yeah that's absolutely right and the, what we have to understand is if we, we can use a term like masters of the universe that are pulling all the strings for the globalists or whatever is that they understand kind of the what you might call the magic of polarity or the the pendulum swing the the concept of blowback they understand it's written in their their own books whether we're talking about Sololinsky, whether we're talking about beautiful trouble today at beautifultrouble.org you can read the the enemy's real action is treated as their target's reaction. And so the goal is to, maybe it's the goal of the terrorist attack in the first place was to provoke a reaction that then they can portray to the world in order 100%. to try to justify the next step of something else. This is uh, uh, not just manufacturing consent as you often hear describing propaganda, but it's actually manufacturing it's kind of the propaganda sense, the environment. <laughs> it's what? I said it's almost Hegelian in a sense. It is pure Hegelian, in fact, and that's why when I say that there are forces driving this that want this, like the neocons, who are in, in, in large part old Hegelian masters of the universe types up against the communists, who are young Hegelian uh, destroyers of the universe types, you've got to realize that there is a bigger, broader play with a strategic element to it that is designed to create reactions and then to make solutions out of the reactions. And so the not just sober, but strategic response to that is that you figure out how they're trying to write the script and don't play the part they've written for you. And if you do that, it foils their plans and it falls on its face and you can actually take action outside of the uh, scripted dynamic that they're trying to manufacture on whether it's a local, national, or a global stage. And that's exactly right, because let's be let's be honest, these people aren't interested in seeking peace. They're not e interested in speaking, seeking stability. They don't want to see you know, economic prosperity. They don't want, no, because we know that they're actually in search of 
this desired end state of whether it be whether it be a war or whether it be total uh, you know globalist american dominance over various competing spheres of interest around the world etc cetera, etc cetera. and they don't seem to ever price in cost anytime you talk to one of these people they'll say oh well we're degrading the russian military in ukraine and and for for pennies on the dollar and you say well, what about all those graves in in kiev that are being built right now they're being dug what about all those those blue and gold flags and the moms that don't that aren't going to see their sons coming home because they died off in some trench somewhere in a place that no by the way no american has ever even heard of but that's pennies on the like what kind of what kind of topic like what kind of i'm sorry but what kind of morality is that what this it's not christian morality i don't know what that is no, it's uh, the the morality. When you said Hegelian, Hegel was famous for having said history uses people and then discards them. His philosophy is one of yes. the historical protagonists who who launches into conquest of destiny that, you know, lots of people die in the process. But history lurches a little bit toward, you know, its its desired endpoint. The, the, the arc of history bends toward justice is another phrasing of that, which is controversial to put it there. But the fact is that uh, the idea is that they think that they're bending history to desired endpoint and they do so through these mass casualty events through conflict in particular so that history can lurch along behind historical uh, protagonist who, who, who's causing it to go where it needs to go it turns out that everybody involved the cannon fodder is just a sacrifice to the progress of the march of history and you know bless them for it if they're on the right side and curse them forever if they're enemies of the people who are on the wrong side of history that's the mentality that we're actually up against it has nothing to do with liberty it has everything to do with creating circumstances to generate conflict to move situations toward the desired endpoint. Um, problem, reaction, solution is the usual cute phrasing of it, but it's very important to realize that this plays out on every stage, on every level, like the ones we're just now describing in the global stage. Yeah, it really is amazing because once you see once you see that pattern that you just outlined right there, you can you can turn on the news and it's like that scene in the Matrix, man, where he's like, he's like, I don't even see the code anymore. All I see, blonde, brunette, red. You just see it play out over and over and over. Uh, Dr. James Lindsay, can we hold you for one more segment? Are you good? You got to run? Yep. Yep. We can do it. Let's do it. All right. We got him, folks. We got him. He's locked in with us. Dr. James Lindsay, go give him a follow. Conceptual James, new discourses. Go check him out. You know him. I know him. Your mother knows him. We all love Dr. James Lindsay. We're happy that he's generous here with his time. When I'm working long hours, I'm always listening to Human Events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec back here live, Human Events Daily. We are now looking at the questions of... We understand the situation. We've got a, a radicalized youth movement here at home. They're radicalized to target whoever they are told the oppressors are, which, by the way, in this situation is probably everyone listening to this show. Um, congrats. And certainly those of us that are on. Then on the world stage, you see people using these same tactics to foment war, to foment conflict, to seek political power. Look at Nikki Haley. She, she will declare war on anyone in the world if she thinks it will give her more power. She wants a, a department of offense to come back so that she can pick and choose different parts of the world that she wants to declare war on. And, you know, to hell with the causes. Who cares? Who cares who it affects? Who cares about the blowback? Who cares about the Americans that, that will die in these situations? Because she wants power. She wants more money for Boeing. Dr. James Lindsay, what is the way out? What is the way out of these situations? Because the circumstances are dire. Look, Owen Shoyer is going to jail right now. 
He's on his way to federal prison. That is an honest-to-God, real person going to jail for political speech here in the United States. And people say, oh, well, you know, he protested <laughs> at a congressional hearing and then walked around on the law. I said, this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous what they're doing to Owen and, and you know, defendowen.com. And, of course, people go there, and, and we've got it trending nationwide. Um, you, you predicted that all of this would come to pass. You did. And even when taking the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune um, from so many people coming at you. So what's next? How do we get out of this situation and back to something that's more stable for Americans, for kids trying to grow up and people just wanting to go back to their lives? Yeah, well, there are two primary situations that we're kind of dealing with, and they have different to some degree, different solution sets for what to do. The one is the propaganda environment, the bigger global stage, the stuff that's happening where you don't live. And what do you do with that is that propaganda falls apart when you can call it out, identify what its targets are, and identify that it's propaganda. When you can name the dynamic in play, name that it's propaganda, explain how it works, and explain what it's trying to achieve, what that does is it craters the trust necessary for people to take action on the propaganda. They begin to doubt. They become skeptical. They become hesitant. They become judicious and, and, and discerning. And they don't act on the propaganda because the point of the propaganda is to get people to act one way or another. It's political warfare. The goal is to use political means to get people to do things uh, with hostile intent, not necessarily pulling out a gun. So what we have to do is learn to spot and call out propaganda as clearly and as widely and as frequently as possible, whether that's through our own platform, such as shows like this, such as our social media accounts, or whether it's in one-on-one -on -one conversations. And that segues into what do you do with this radicalized youth movement and the kind of broader radicalized culture that we have that will turn on and attack people, is that those people have to see where they've been duped or lied to. There has to be a crack. The worldview that they are, if I might be so bold, is hermetically sealed. And there has to be a crack that opens up or something doesn't make sense. Like, wait, what am, what's going on? They're all attacking Jews all of a sudden, or it's, it's going against something I believe in, or it's hurt somebody like me, or that I care about. You've got to find one of these cracks, one of the contradictions, as, as, as you might say, to create an opening. And then what you need to be is you need to be somebody they know that they can trust, that they can go to. In other words, you're a landing pad who can then kind of help them understand. As a lot of people know, it's a shameful article of my past. I had the Trump derangement syndrome, and somebody showed me that the very fine people thing was, in fact, a hoax. I le learned that I was lied to, and then all of a sudden, I was a crack. I was able now to step out of the psyops of Trump derangement and was able to start to see the world more clearly, and I wanted to know what else I'd been lied to. And luckily, uh, the people who helped me see that had some more evidence for me and finally encouraged me to go do my own study into Trump's speeches and so on. The same model works on an individual level. The family members, the friends that you know in your life, you need to help them find where this doesn't work, where it doesn't line up, where there's lies and distortions driving their beliefs and worldview, and then make sure that you they understand you're a safe landing pad they can come to to try to unravel where they've been bound up. Uh, that's part of the reason they've been so diligent at tearing apart families and friends so that those relationships are damaged or not there anymore for when people start to have doubts about the uh, broader worldview, the people around them are no longer available to go to. So you want to foster that and be that for those people. You know, I, I, I call it long TDS, and we're, we're trying to find the solutions, the cures. There's no vaccine, thankfully. Uh, but we do need to find ways to be able to do that. And 
you know, for a lot of people, they'll say, oh, well, just comply, just comply, just say, you know what, it's, you know, go through the struggle session, go through it, you know what, it's just easier that way. It's just easier, right? But that's kind of what they want, isn't it? Yeah, you can't do that. There's no coming back from a struggle session. Once you comply, once you confess to imaginary crimes, you lose standing in every regard. The people who are counting on you or who are in your corner, who are hoping you wouldn't do that, see you as faithless. The people who are interrogating you in the first place uh, see you as somebody they can manipulate. And the people who are in this kind of third party watching audience uh, become convinced that you must have actually been guilty or you wouldn't have given in and confessed to it. And so that the terms of the crime must also have been legitimate. And they become convinced into the the contrived world of the tyrant. And so you have to stand strong against it. You have to stand strong with people who are being put through it. You have to be willing to say, no, I know her. She's a good person. And I stand behind her as a person, even under terrible circumstances. And we've got to re rebuild that, that unity because the goal of the struggle session compliance is to get you to comply, to confess to a made up crime on contrived terms. And once you do it, like I said, all that happens is you lose in every direction, and it only gets worse from there. It doesn't get better with any of the groups of people that you might try to count on. People who are in your corner see you as faithless again. The people watching see the contrived terms as real, and the people who manipulated you in the first place know they can break you again and break you again and break you again until you uh, are completely in their hands. So that's the answer then, folks. Do not break. Be that solid point in the storm in tumultuous times. Dr. James Lindsay, where can people go to follow you and to get more of your ramblings and scribblings? Let me just add real quick, and then I'll say that. I know we're on a time, but uh, sure, you've yeah, got to stand with each other. You have to stand with each other or none of it works. Where I am doesn't matter compared to that. You have to take people, get people's back and help them when they're going through a struggle session. It's not just don't break. It's help your friends who they're, they're going after yes. as well. You must do this. Now, you can find me at newdiscourses.com and at Conceptual James on social media. Appreciate it, man. Really appreciate all of your work. You've been one of those... You've been one of those rocks, one of those stable points in tumultuous times. That's Dr. James Lindsay. Make sure to go him, give him a follow. And folks, do not submit to the struggle sessions. Do not recant. We know that we have truth on our side. We have God on our side. And let's pray again. Remember, his name is Owen Schroyer. His name is Owen Schroyer. 